Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow, will you surrender to His majesty. He can save you from the might of all your sin. This is the fight in which He stands in perfect victory while you have breath. have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to he is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm We do need a shelter from the coming storm. It is upon us. It will grow much, much worse. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Today is not going to be an easy message. Please, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to sprinkle little gumdrops on it. It's going to be straight up. I have no option. We are in such a desperate place. I can't soften the word of God for you. It is the truth. Today is election day, and after I finish this broadcast, I will be making my way to where I vote. I will be voting for Yessi Vega, who is a a wonderful Christian woman. And she's running against a person who is as corrupt as anybody could ever be corrupt, but has a pretty smile. I'm going to vote because it is my civic duty and because I'm an American and that is what we do as Americans, we vote. But I want to say to you some things that may not sound very pleasant to your ears, but I must warn you, regardless of who you vote for, in the end, it will not make any difference because politicians do not run America. The central bank runs America. The Federal Reserve runs America. And they are a part of the beast power of Revelation 18. They are rising and they are taking control. And we see the devastation of their actions in every vile and evil thing that is being supported in America today. It pains me to say this because I love what Donald Trump tried to do. But Donald Trump is not your savior, nor is he mine. And he will not 
Save America. If you are basing your hope for the future on what Donald Trump can do or what a Democrat can do, you have a false god. They are not going to be able to do what you hope they can do. We are watching as the one world government and the tentacles of that government tighten ever tighter on our nation, destroying it. Mr. Trump would like to take us back like it was the 1950s. It won't happen. It won't happen because America has become utterly corrupt. The reason it has become utterly corrupt is because the pastors of America have been unwilling to tell the truth about the gospel. They have softened it. They've made it sentimental. They've made it easy. They've made it lightweight. They've made it, if you please, quote, non-essential, unquote. The gospel has not changed. But I must tell you, I was born in Denver, Colorado. My family moved from Denver to a place called Bosler, Wyoming, and to Laramie, Wyoming, and to Pennsylvania. And when I was 13 years of age, they sent me away to a boarding school where I worked half day and went to class half a day. And then on, I went to college in Washington, D.C. And then on to seminary. I have watched carefully what happened in the 60s and the 70s. I ministered in Washington, D.C. in the early 70s in a coffee house in Georgetown and a free medical clinic that I ran. It was called The Gate on M Street, right across the street from Eagle Wine and Liquor. I preached in the streets of Georgetown. I tutored in a number of areas in downtown Washington. I fed the homeless. And I preached in the parking lots until the police would come and run me out and then move to another parking lot or to another street corner. I tell you this to say I've been in Washington, D.C. a long time. I've spent my ministry here of more than 50 years. I've watched as America and as the church has totally lost its way. Now I'm going to read a scripture and speak to you about it. 
It will not be easy to hear, but I urge you to stay with me, to listen, for it's not all bad news. There is also some very good news. Jesus is speaking with his disciples as they walked away from the upper room where they have just had the final Passover, where Jesus has broken the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. And he has also given them the cup and said, share this among yourselves. This is the blood of the new covenant. This is my blood spilled for you. And now they're walking away, and they're making their way slowly to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as they're going, Jesus is speaking to them, knowing that he will soon be on the cross. So he's not sugarcoating anything. He's saying everything straight up, just the way it is. And we need very much to listen carefully that we not be deceived. Over and over and over, Jesus warns his people, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Well, we have all been deceived. I have been. I've spent my entire life in ministry and in school struggling to try to understand the gospel trying to come to terms with what it means to really be a Christian in this wicked culture that we are a part of. And it is a wicked culture that we are a part of. It's so easy to settle back into the YouTube, into the television. So easy to settle back in the movies and the sports to kick back and spend an evening watching on the tube some famous sporting club, whether it be football or basketball or baseball. America is a comfortable place, full of every kind of wickedness. But the most wicked part of America is the mind and soul numbing of pleasure, of comfortableness, of laziness, of deadness. To awaken from that requires every possible energy to be given to searching after the word of God, begging that we be awakened from the death and the darkness that surrounds us. Now in chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, Jesus makes this startling, terrifying statement. I am the vine, the true one, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, they understood very well what Jesus was saying. They had many times walked past the vineyards. Vineyards were everywhere. 
My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me not bearing fruit, he cuts it off. Can we lose our salvation? Have you already lost your salvation? For many of you, the answer is yes and yes. He's saying literally that if you don't bear fruit by being connected to Jesus Christ, not to a church, not to a theology, if you are not connected to Jesus Christ, you will be cut off. And if you are connected to Jesus Christ, you must produce fruit. And if you don't produce fruit, you will be pruned. Let me read it. Every branch in me not bearing fruit, he cuts it off. And every branch bearing fruit, he always prunes. So in other words, you're going to be cut one way or the other. But the terrifying cutting that Jesus speaks about right up front. He says, if you don't bear fruit, my father is going to study you. He's going to look at you. He's going to evaluate you. And he is going to cut you off of the vine. Now, what would it mean to be cut off the vine? Well, your life would go on as normal. You would go to work. You would still enjoy all of the same worldly pleasures that you enjoy. You'd still go to your restaurants that are your favorites for your special events. You would still enjoy the friendship of people. But you would be cut off from the person of Jesus. Now, you would not be cut off from church. You'd still go to church. Now, please... You cannot be cut off of Jesus if you're not already in him. So Jesus here is speaking about people who have received him. People who have made a confession of faith. People who are connected to him. You can't cut someone off if they are not already connected. So the father is looking very carefully at every person who says that they are connected to the vine, who say, I am a Christian. The terrifying part of this is that you could be cut off from Jesus and you would not even know that you were cut off because your connection was so light with Jesus, so tenuous with Jesus, that you can be cut off and you don't even miss the sap of Jesus, the power of Jesus flowing in your life. You don't even miss that because there wasn't that much anyway. Your source of nutrition was not Jesus. Your source of nutrition was your your job and your money. Your source of nutrition was fighting for your own rights. Your source of nutrition is the friendship with people all around you, the source of what keeps you comfortable and happy is a home that is outfitted with the entertainment of today. Or you 
you read the novels you you read constantly the the romance novels or you read constantly the science fiction or the or the action figures of our day and because you read these things and feast on these things you're nourished by them what you don't understand is that these things are all deadly poison and they are killing you. That's right. The television is like a bug spray. Have you ever had insects that you had to spray? Ants invading your home and you had to spray them with a a pesticide? Well, these things are pesticides for your soul. They will kill you. The only source of life is the person of Jesus Christ. The only source of life is the person of Jesus Christ. Now, we don't, in our culture, believe that. We believe that, okay, we'll live so long. I want to get this house. I want to get this car. I want this lifestyle. I want to do this bucket list. I want to go on those cruises. I want to, here's all the stuff I want to do. And and these are the things that nurture me. And so I look forward to that event and I look, okay, I'm, you know, I'm just living. I'm, I'm grinding out day by day, my job, but, oh, I've got this coming and, and I can last until that comes and then I'll be refreshed. Or you have a favorite politician like Barack Obama or Donald Trump. And you listen to what they say, eager ears, you worship them, but they're dead. They're dead. They have nothing for you. And so the father comes and he looks at me and he says, does this person, is he connected to Jesus? And yes, is he bearing fruit? No. Then I have to cut him off. The Holy Spirit's going to work. He's going to encourage. He's going to rebuke. He's going to say, come on. But finally, the Father will say, for the sake of my vine, for the sake of the branch, the other branches, I've got to cut this person off. And many of you have been cut off and you don't even know it. How can you tell if you've been cut off? Well, first, you have no interest in reading the scriptures. Second, you have no interest in giving for the kingdom of God. You have no concern about sharing the gospel with anyone, and you have never probably ever won anyone to the gospel of Jesus. There's no testimony in your heart of of what God has done for you. You're dead spiritually. Oh, you may go to church. You may pay your tithe. 
You may be a part of the rituals. You may follow the church calendar. You may be right there to help with the parties. You may be right there to to usher, to play deacon. But you're dead, and you know you're dead. I can't tell you how many people, deacons, elders, regular members of churches I've spoken to, and I have asked them, are you clean before Jesus, or are you still walking in sin? 99.9% of those have always said to me, oh, pastor, I'm still struggling. Well, why are you still struggling? I'll tell you why. You love the world. You love the things of the world. You love the flesh. You love the, the things of the flesh, the lust of your heart. This has to change. Many of you who are still going to church are taking the pesticide, the poison of the devil, and it's killing you. So you don't even know you've been cut off. There's no conviction in your heart. You don't spend any hours every day in prayer. You don't fast. You're just living. You just want to live a good, normal, happy American life. My brother, my sister, it's over. God is going to crash that down on your head. And he's now doing it. Inflation, some are reporting for groceries, is as high as 20 to 22%. And that's just the beginning. It's going to get much, much worse. Our dollar is going to collapse. There is going to be famine in the land. And what will you do when there's famine in the land? Do you have a connection with Jesus where you can go to him to get your manna? Now, I I told you this would not be easy. But I'm going to be very honest and upright with you. If there is not a revival in your life and a total transformation of what's going in on right now in your life, you will be cut off or you have already been cut off and just don't know it. You're dead, but you don't know you're dead. And if God doesn't come and resurrect you, if you don't begin to be serious about searching after Jesus, You've been taught so many lies in the church. You've been taught that sinning Christians can enter into heaven. Nothing could be further from the truth. And you've listened to great preachers who are preaching lies. How do I dare say that? Because for over 50 years, I've served in the church. I know what's going on. It's there, there, pat on the head. Here's a little strategy for you to get ahead in life. Here's a little uh, self-help to help you move forward to have a more successful and more prosperous time. Here's, Here's some little lesson that Jesus wants to teach you about faith. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? If we don't wake up, 
in America. If the church does not wake up, it will be utterly cut off from Jesus. And when our institutions come under pressure, and they will, many churches now are declaring bankruptcy because they can't pay their bills. Many churches have gone deeply in debt by the millions. They will lose their buildings. Many churches are social organizations. Already the lampstand has been removed from their church and they don't even know it. One great preacher said, if the Holy Spirit totally left the American church, it was Ravenhill, Leonard Ravenhill. I think he said like 95 or maybe even 99% of what's going on now would continue unabated in the church without any presence of the Holy Spirit. Listen. Revelation 2, verse 4. But I have against you that you have left your first love. Part of the problem is many of you who call yourselves Christians never had a first love. You just signed up with a social club where you could be accepted and loved and you had a little Jesus and you thought you were fine, but you never were crucified. You never turned away from wickedness. You never left your sins. You always continued in your pride and your arrogance. But I have against you that you have left your first love. So you must remember from whence you have fallen and you must repent and must do the first works. You never fell because you were never up there. You were never truly connected to Jesus Christ. You never took up your cross and followed him. Listen, I am coming to you without delay, and I will remove your lampstand out of the place if you may not repent. That's Revelation, the second chapter. I hope you hear we're in trouble. The Christian church in America has failed its mission because of weak need, weak-backed, Santa Claus Jesus pastors who have been afraid to speak the truth to you because they didn't want you to walk out and take your money with you. They wanted you to, to continue and to help build the brush pile so that they could build a great church and be somebody important. I see some of these young men. I won't name them. But they're preaching to millions on the internet. They're preaching in great venues. And they're preaching lies. They're not calling you to repent. They're not telling you the truth about the condition of the church. They're not telling you the truth about your own heart condition. 
because they have an agenda going of being somebody and of being successful. Church today is big business in America. People are getting wealthy through the church, making deals for for land and for stocks and bonds and properties, stashing away large amounts of money. We're facing a time when it's an examination by the Father. And it says, Every branch in me not bearing fruit, he cuts it off. And every branch bearing fruit, he always prunes. What does he prune? He prunes away the extra foliage. The churches today that are even yet connected to Jesus are full of foliage and no fruit. When was the last time you saw someone in your church come to Jesus and be transformed, be changed? I praise God for the testimonies of men and women who listen to this broadcast and are totally transformed and changed into the likeness of Jesus and begin to bear fruit. I praise God for you. Thank you. You're the ones who give me the courage to continue. Now notice, he says, to his disciples, you are already clean by means of the word that I've spoken to you. So Jesus is telling them that they've been washed and cleansed They've been set right with him because they've heard his word and they have obeyed it. They have chosen to follow him and to believe in him, to be connected to him. They've left everything to follow Jesus. Their whole life is centered in following, in walking behind Jesus, to walking with him through these dusty roads. Palestine. He says, you're already clean by means of the word that I've spoken to you. Now you must remain in union with me and I with you. Just as the branch is not able to bear fruit from itself, if it may not remain in the vine, so neither can you, if you may not remain in union with me. This is all about being in union with Jesus. And you can only be in union with Jesus if you hear the straight word of God and if you put away your sin, you repent of every tie to the world, to every lust for the world. You put it away, you cut it off by the blood of Jesus. See, it's so radical, we don't even know how to begin to talk about it. I don't. Be very honest, I don't know how to talk about it. Because in America, we've said, if if you go out and, and just be a nice person, you come to church on Sunday, you give your tithes and offerings, you do all the good you can, you're good to go. 
No, you're not. The world will love you that way. I think of some preachers that have been highly recognized in America. Billy Graham. Billy Graham was loved by wicked presidents. He was loved by many wicked people. How is it that Billy Graham could be so loved in America? As he stashed away his millions. When he died, he was worth over $21 million. As he stashed away his millions, and he had great numbers of people who adored him and who worshipped him, That's not what the word teaches. If the world loves you, it's an indication that there's something very seriously wrong in your life. If you're loved and adored by the world, you have missed that connection with Jesus Christ. For they will not love you if you rebuke them for their sin. I'm not surprised that Today, we only have two or three people following us on YouTube. I don't know how many of you are listening on the radio or have already turned it off on your car or your office. I know what I'm saying is not a word that will build a great brush pile where we can build something great and say, aren't we something? No. No, when you rebuke for sin and you call for cutting off the love of the world for being separate, for becoming truly one with Jesus. People run. Listen. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is John 15. The one remaining in union with me and I with him, this one bears much fruit because apart from me, you're not able to do anything. If anyone may not remain in union with me, he was thrown out as the branch and was dried up, and they gather them up and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So are you in union with Christ? Don't answer quickly. Is your heart cry to pray, to read the word, to fast? Is the cry of your heart to be holy, to produce first the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, holiness? I mean, the word is, is very clear that we must produce holiness. Let me read it for you. You must pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Well, what is holiness? It's being taken apart from the world and established in Jesus Christ. It's set apart for a special purpose. 
we did not become Christians so that we could become good Americans. We became Christians so we could become citizens of the kingdom of God. I am an American. I love America. I hate its evil, and I hate that it will be burned as Babylon in Revelation 18. But I love the people of America. But I'd be honest with you. We're on our way to being burned as a nation. I'm not saying that. Russia's saying that. American uh, politicians are saying that. We're in trouble. Trouble that we have brought on ourselves. The Ukraine war is not something we should be proud of. America determined to use Ukraine to try to hurt Russia. We could have avoided that war so simply and so easily, but the American military complex did not want to avoid that war, even if it causes the lives of millions of Americans to be lost. I look at all of this in my heart weeps because I love America. I love the people of America. I want you to be saved. That is, I want you to be released from your sins and your transgressions and your wickedness and vileness. I want you to be released from this and to be made holy to be made righteous, to live in the joy of the Lord, to live clean before him without bitterness or rancor, without without cursing, without lying, without cheating. This terrifying passage in John 15 I used to look at this and say, I must remain in union with Christ. I must abide with him. And and what would that look like? Well, in my immaturity, I said that would look like taking places of abiding with Jesus. Okay, I'll read my Bible every day. That's a place of abiding. I will fast once a week. That's my place of abiding. And those are important things to do. I'll take an hour a day to pray. That's a place of abiding. That's vitally important to do. But I want to tell you, that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about a permanent indwelling of Jesus Christ in my heart and in my life, where I'm totally given over to him. And I no longer walk in the lust of the flesh or the pride of life. I no longer am out there being the good American doing what I think will get me ahead in life. I am given over to Jesus Christ. Tell me, these disciples, did they go back fishing after Jesus was crucified? Yes, Peter got a group together and 
and they went out fishing all night and they didn't catch anything. And then Jesus was on the shore. They didn't recognize him. And he said, did you catch anything? No. Well, throw your net over on the other side. They threw their net over on the other side and they caught a huge haul of fish. They pulled it up on shore. And Jesus had them take some of that fish and put it on the fire. And they had breakfast together. There's no record of their ever going back to fishing after that. Was it wrong to go fishing? Oh, no. But the disciples' primary focus was from now on to be fishers of men and women and boys and girls. And your primary goal in life must be to bear much fruit, that is to bear much holiness in your life, to be washed and clean. But then also to go bear testimony for Jesus Christ because you have been with him and you know him. If you've not been with Jesus and you don't know Jesus, if you just know the institutional church game, how can you bear much fruit? Because you don't abide in Jesus. You abide in an institution. You abide in an organization. You abide in a a set of rules made by men. You don't abide in the person of Jesus. How can you bear much fruit if you've never been with Jesus? How can you testify that he's the Lord? What can you say about how he's changed and transformed your life if he hasn't done that? One man who listens to this broadcast, I love him dearly. His life has totally been transformed by Jesus. And now, wherever he goes, he's talking about Jesus. He wants people to come to Jesus and be changed, to leave their alcohol, to leave their drugs, to leave their fornication, to leave the wickedness of their heart, to leave their pride and arrogance. He wants people to come to Jesus He wants them to bear much fruit. Those are the kind that give me courage and that I love. I told you this would not be easy today and tomorrow we're going to continue this study in the 15th chapter of of John. I just want to say today, we must examine our hearts and ask the very hard question, have I been cut off from Jesus? And if I have not been cut off from Jesus, and I have not been, am I making progress in holiness by cutting off every sin and every known offense against God. 
And am I bearing fruit for Jesus Christ? I've been praying this morning, Lord, prune me. I don't want any foliage in my life to make me look good to other people that would drain away the ability of Jesus in my life to produce much fruit for him. I want to live honestly before Jesus. I don't want church games. I don't want church lies. I don't want a phony deal. There's nothing that makes my stomach want to vomit faster than someone who goes around saying, God bless you, God bless you, while they live like hell. There's nothing that makes my heart sicker than a person who claims to be Jesus, to love Jesus, to be in Jesus, to be one with Jesus. But it's obvious when you look at their life that it's all about them. They're right. And there's no love flowing from their heart except as that which will gain them something. That breaks my heart. Let's pray. Lord, I've spoken the word you gave me. I ask that it would bring forth the fruit that men and women would carefully examine their hearts and their lives and that you would prune them even as you're pruning me, cutting back everything that drains away time and energy from from you, Jesus. I pray today for your full indwelling Holy Spirit Lord, I pray for those churches that you have already removed the lampstand from. I pray, Lord, that you will move with revival power to convict that pastor that they must repent and preach in a new way if their people are to enter into the kingdom of God. Lord, thank you for your mercy and your kindness. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. I want to thank you for listening today. I know it's not been easy. But I didn't promise you easy. I promised you real. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. 
You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you can find there a way to donate online if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give. Finances have been very short in the last two months. So if the Holy Spirit is prompting you, please obey and give as the Holy Spirit tells you. Tomorrow we're going to continue this study in the Gospel of John. It's not an easy study, but it's one that's necessary to turn our hearts into the eagerness of serving Jesus Christ and of being one with him. God bless you today. I love you. And I'll talk to you soon. The Lord, as we finish this broadcast today, I plead for your Holy Spirit to be poured out in Washington, D.C. and across this nation. Come, Holy Spirit of the living God. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. His glory will bring joy with great joy Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with